0: All right, by a show of hands, how many of you guys love science? Anybody loves science in the room? Now, here's the thing: whether you love it or whether you hate it, I think we could all agree that we love science experiments or inventions. For example, how many of you guys have ever seen what happens when you drop a Mentos in Diet Coke? Anybody ever seen that? Okay, time of confession. Time of confession. How many of you have ever done that to someone? You guys should YouTube it. You can find clips of they'll drop something in then just open their fridge and open the, the, you know, the, what do you call it, the cap of the Diet Coke. And it just squirts all in their face. It's hilarious, right? Or how many of you have ever seen what happens when you put a gummy bear into potassium chlorate? Anybody ever seen that happen? Well, check this out. Not good for the gummy bear, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that guy is burned up. So we love science inventions, we love experiments, and here's what's cool. What's cool is that science and faith actually have a lot in common. For example, in science, you know, there are things that can either activate or deactivate the experiment. I mean, just one small ingredient can either cause an explosion or a fire, right, And the same thing goes for faith. Even just the smallest decision or a moment in time or a choice that we make can either activate our faith and cause us to really dive into the things of God and dig into the things of God, or the smallest of decisions or moments can cause us to deactivate faith, cause us to pull away from God. And So tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at a guy in the Bible by the name of Peter. And, and, and before we get to that, let me, let me make a confession. Here's the confession. I love Mexican food. Anybody love Mexican food? I'm telling you what, it is my favorite. And I'm, I'm so pumped about Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. Come on. But here's, when it, here's, here's what happens, okay, when it comes to Mexican food. Is, and this always happens. Every single time I eat too much. I mean, I may walk into the restaurant and I may say, okay, you know, today, this time, you know, I'm just going to eat a couple of chips, you know, a little bit of salsa. And then about five minutes later after I sit down and the waiter or the waitress brings like five baskets of chips, I realize I've eaten two by myself and I'm sick to my stomach and I'm feeling terrible. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens is when I go and eat Mexican food, while it's so good, I always experience what I refer to as food guilt. Food guilt. When you just, you know, man, I just ate way too much, and now I feel like I can't even move, right? And here's the worst part. I don't know if this is true for you. It's true for me. When I have food guilt, right, I wear it all over my face. I mean, people can see I'm walking out of the restaurant, and they're like, That guy ate too much food, you know? Yeah, I just feel terrible. I I feel like, man, just guilty because I just ate so much food. Anybody ever had food guilt? You guys with me on that or am I by myself, okay? So some of you guys can relate to what I'm saying. And maybe the face looks a little bit like this. Check it out. I love the face of the dog. I mean, literally, he smiles. Hey, dogs are smart. They know when they've messed up, right? He had the face of food guilt. You guys know what I'm talking about, but here's the thing. When it comes to guilt, guilt shows up in a lot of different ways. For example, maybe you've had guilt from something that's happened at school. Maybe you've cheated on a test and it causes you to feel guilty or feel bad about it. Or maybe for you, Maybe for you it's been family guilt. Maybe you've lied to a parent about something. Maybe you told your parent you were going to be somewhere and you were somewhere else. Or maybe they let you go to the movies and you were supposed to go to this movie and you went to a different movie. I did that when I was in middle school. It didn't end up too well. Parents picked me up. They asked me about the movie and I just lied like crazy. And then they found out. So guilt shows up in different ways. Or maybe, maybe it's, for you it's relational guilt. Right where maybe you've said something to a friend or you've said something that you wish you could take back but you can't and you feel bad about it or maybe you've treated someone in a way that you wish you hadn't treated them and you feel guilty or maybe it's even heavier than that. Maybe when it comes to guilt, maybe, maybe you've got a, a home where your parents are no longer together where maybe your parents got divorced and you... You put the blame on yourself. You you feel guilt from something that you can't possibly control. And See, wherever you're at along the spectrum, the truth is that guilt guilt is harmful. Guilt can really, really mess us up. And sometimes when guilt shows up, what we do is we do whatever it takes to avoid facing that. So we wrong a friend and we want to avoid being around that friend. Or we we do something that we shouldn't do, and so we want to spend our time doing something else so we can avoid the fact that we we did that. And oftentimes what happens is that guilt can actually cause us to pull away from God. It can cause us to distance ourselves from God, drive us away from God. As a matter of fact, if you're writing down notes, I want you to write this one down. Guilt deactivates faith. Guilt deactivates faith. See, when we feel guilt for a decision we've made, we will oftentimes avoid God, or we'll avoid the things of God. Maybe we stop coming to church, or maybe we come to church and we don't fully participate, like in small groups or even in this room, we decide to, to disengage and to instead of engaging in the talk or the worship, we're engaging with one another. And so we, and maybe guilt is the reason for that. Or maybe it's kind of one of these things where we we talk a lot about God, but we avoid talking to God. See, guilt deactivates our faith. And if anyone in scripture knew this well, it was Peter. A little bit about Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Peter had left everything that he ever knew to follow Jesus. And then in the Bible, there's this passage where Jesus is sitting with his disciples. It's referred to as the Last Supper, the the Passover meal, where they would gather together and they would break bread together. And this happened to be the very last meal that Jesus would have with the disciples. And here's what he says. Jesus says this. He says, All of you will desert me, but after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, and I will meet you there. So talk about an awkward dinner conversation. Jesus looks at his guys and says, Hey, first of all, just so you guys know, all of you are going to deny that you ever knew me. I mean, that's kind of awful, right? To be told that, Like, you guys are totally going to desert me. You're going to disown me. You're going to act like I never even existed. And then he says, but hey, when I rise from the dead, another crazy thing. I mean, if you ever told a friend that you're going to rise from the dead, they would think you were crazy. And the disciples didn't get it. They totally didn't get it. But Jesus says, when I rise from the dead, hey, I will meet you in Galilee. And this is what Peter says. Peter steps up to the plate and he says, whoa, 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 wait. Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. In other words, hey, Jesus, I get it. You know what? These other guys, I mean, they may disown you, but not me. I'll stick I'll stick with you to the end. I'll do whatever it takes. And then what happens is Jesus, the Bible says Jesus looks at Peter, and this is crazy. He gets eye contact with Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, I'll tell you this, before the rooster crows twice... You'll deny me three times. And then Peter responds and he says, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. In other words, Jesus, I would rather physically die than ever desert or disown you. I'd rather die, right? And then what we find, or, or I know what you're thinking. Sometimes we think the same thing. I mean, we think, I would never, ever deny Jesus I would never disown him. I'm with him to the end. But did you know that we're all one moment, one circumstance, one choice away from having a decision like that to make? Whether we're going to follow him like we say we will or disown him. And what happens is that Peter... We find in the Bible in Mark chapter 14 that three occasions he denied Christ. He lied. He said he never knew him. One was this little girl comes to him and says, hey, wait, aren't you the guy that was always with that Galilean? You're a Galilean. Weren't you with the, the, the Christ? And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Whoa, wait, wait, you know, you know him. You, you walked around with him. You, you, you were his disciple. I don't, I don't know the man. I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times like Jesus said he would. And then in verse 72, here's what it says. Immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. And then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. I want you to think about what's happening. Peter says, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll never disown you. I'll never walk away from you. Jesus says, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. Peter denies him three times. And then the second he denied him the third time, he heard the rooster. Can you imagine how awful Peter must have felt? Can you imagine maybe the guilt that was now upon his shoulders? Peter had to face and recognize, man, that he had... He had let himself down, and more importantly, he had let Jesus down. And I know what Peter feels like. And I bet some of you may know what Peter feels like, too, because I've at times felt like I've let Jesus down, where I would tell God, oh, God, I I would never do that, and then i do what I said I wouldn't do. Or, God, I I'll never act like that, or I'll never treat someone in that way, or I'll never say things like that to someone, or I'll never... Look at things like that, or I'll never say things, and then I do the exact thing that I said I wouldn't do. And so I let Jesus down. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there are times when you feel like, in your relationship with God, you've let Jesus down. But I want to talk to you for a second. I want to make sure you understand something guilt does not come from God. Guilt does not come from God. Guilt is an emotion that unfortunately we experience, and it's not a fun one, but it's not from God. Now, what is from God is something called conviction. And for those of us that follow Christ, what happens is that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And when we do something that we shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit will convict us, which is His way of trying to activate us, to push us back into... Our relationship with God instead of pulling away because we feel so bad about the things that we've done. See, in this occasion, Peter's, Peter's guilt deactivated his faith. It rattled him. It messed his world up. And all Peter wanted was a do-over. I mean, how many of you guys, show of hands, you've ever just wanted just to redo something, right? God, if I could just take back that moment, if I could just take back those words, or if I could just, hey, if I could just relive that one day. Peter felt the same way. I think Peter, more than anything, just wanted a do-over. He just wanted another chance. But see, we can't turn back to time, can we? We can't go back to the future. Although that would be awesome. But what, what does happen is that Jesus does offer another chance. See, what happened is, Peter, I want you to fast forward the story. And, uh, and Peter, is um, he decides that he wants to go fishing with the disciples. So the disciples, they all go fishing and one full night they fish and not one fish did they catch. I mean, zero zilch, nada, nothing. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be to never catch anything? You're there on the shore the entire day into the night, and then you wake up and there's nothing in the net. So they're frustrated. And then there's this guy coming from the shore, yelling from the shore, and he's just yelling. His disciples said, Hey, hey guys, hey, listen, listen. Hey, put your nets on the other side of the boat. Can you imagine? The disciples are like, man, what, what in the world is this guy talking about? The other side of the boat. So they do. They put their net on the other side of the boat, and the Bible says that so many fish flooded into that net that they could not. They could not. The boat could not hold all of the fish. And then a dialogue happens with John in the boat. He says, "It says this." In John chapter 21, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. So Peter denies Christ. Peter's guilty. He's feeling awful. And then this interaction happens and John says, dude, that's Jesus. That's the Lord. Can you imagine what's going on in Peter's mind and his heart? He can't wait to just have a conversation. He's so excited about talking to Peter that he jumps out of the boat, right? Even though the boat's only 100 yards, it's only a football field from the shore, he could have just rowed right in like the rest of them, but he jumps out of the boat because he's so intensely passionate about, i got to meet with Jesus, i got to talk to him, i gotta, I got to say sorry. How many of you guys have ever felt like you just wanted to say sorry, right? And that's exactly where Peter was at in this moment. He just wanted to say sorry, and I want you to catch this dialogue. It's going to be on the screen. It's so good. When they had finished eating, so they eat a meal of the fish they had caught, When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. See, it was three times that Peter denied Christ. And it was three times that Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And then, what did Jesus say after the third time? He said, follow me. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, well, Peter, you had your your shot and you blew it. He said, follow me. Peter, I gave you a chance, and you did exactly what I told you you were going to do. You denied me three times. No. Follow me. See, Jesus didn't abandon Peter. But Jesus said, follow me. And he does the same thing for us. And this is what I want you to write down. Grace, grace activates faith. Grace activates activates faith. See, Peter learned something that we too must learn, and it's this simple. We cannot allow faults of our past to keep us from following Jesus right now. See, grace was extended to Peter. Peter did not deserve grace. We do not deserve grace. Grace is an undeserved gift, It's something that we do not deserve, but because God loves us so much, Jesus came, he took our place on the cross, and grace is now possible, and it is is extended to us. See, students, we did not deserve forgiveness. We did not deserve salvation. We do not deserve unconditional love, but God pours it on us anyway. And I want to be really clear about, about grace for just a second. Grace does not give you or I a license to sin. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you. Sometimes we may look at life and we may think something like this. Ah, it's no big deal. I mean, God's going to forgive me anyway. I mean, that's just who God is, isn't it? God will forgive me so I can just, this decision won't matter. Let me tell you what you've done in that moment. You have cheapened grace. You have cheapened something that, is so significant and weighs such a huge weight in our life as followers of Christ. See, grace is not cheap. Grace is that Jesus took your place on the cross so that you didn't have to die. Grace is, hey, when you mess up, He forgives you because He loves you. And so my encouragement is don't take something so amazingly special like the grace of God and cheapen it, but recognize instead what it is. And in this dialogue, what's happening, even though Jesus is asking Peter repeatedly, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, what's happening in this dialogue is he's extending grace. Right in front of our eyes, he's extending grace. And here's the bottom line of tonight. Failing doesn't keep us from following. Failing doesn't keep us from following. See, students, our failure today does not keep us from following Christ tomorrow. When Jesus is in the equation, failure is never final. So here's, here's what I'm saying tonight, and I want you to see a visual of this. I want you to see what I'm talking about. We really have two choices when it comes to guilt. We can either conceal it or we can confess it. And see, when we conceal it, what we're doing is we're, we're hiding it. We're trying to keep something from God where we would say things like, well, God can't forgive me for that. Understand what I'm saying tonight. Yes, He can. I want you to know that. I want you to hear that. There is nothing that you could do that would be so bad that God could not forgive you from that. Because in God's character, His character is love. His character is forgiveness. That's just who He is. And we don't change who God is. And so when we conceal it, we hide it. We try to keep it covered, right? But understand that everything that we try to cover, God will eventually uncover. Or we can confess it. And see, when we confess our sin, the Bible says it like this, that he is faithful to forgive you of your sin and to remove all unrighteousness, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so students, when we confess the guilt that we have, when we confess feeling bad for something that we shouldn't have done, when we confess things to God, when we uncover things in our life, God removes them. And I want you to see a visual of this. Because see, what happens is, let's say that this piece of paper represents something that I feel guilt from something that I am guilty about, something I've done, a decision that I've made. And I confess it to God. I lay it down before God. I tell Him about it. And then God begins to work in my life. And God begins to take something that was once harmful and and something that was causing me guilt, and He immediately removes it. See, what happens is the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, he removes our sin, he removes our transgression. And so here's the action step tonight. Confess and receive grace. Confess and receive grace. Because, see, students, this is what I believe more than anything. You walked into this room tonight. And there's something on your heart. There's something on your mind. There's something in you that maybe is a source of guilt. Maybe it's a source of conviction in your life. And you know what I've been praying for you today? I've been praying that you would be able to leave this room free from that when you're ready. And so let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you, your forgiveness is greater than our sin, than our mistakes, God, than than our failures, Lord. That we can see the story of Peter and notice that a man who was so close to you would ultimately fail you. And God, I pray whatever guilt weighs on the hearts and the shoulders of these students tonight, I pray, God, that you would take it away, that you would remove it, and that they could leave this room tonight having freedom from that guilt. And so, God, as we symbolically walk up to the stage and drop these pieces of paper into the water, may you remove our sin and cast it off as far as east is it's in Jesus' name.